Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Francis Bull, Francis Bull, I'm excited. You're a fool. Well, only half of that's true. What? Which half of it? Hey, you tell me. <laughs> hey, so... Uh, so wait, wait, you didn't answer me. You're Francis Bull. Yeah, that's the true bit. Is that the true so what, bit? You're say, so you're saying you're not uh, you're not excited for our new uh, for our new guest? I am excited for our new guest. Are you kidding me? I'm over the moon excited for our new guest, especially because at the moment I'm self quarantining because I got back from Ibiza and I have to do that because I was there for two days. That's nothing to do with COVID. That's more like how you exposed yourself. What do you mean exposed? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, hello, welcome to the podcast. You, it's well, how team. was Ibiza? It was, yeah, it was great. I was only there for a couple did you of go days. Do you go clubbing? I didn't go, cl- all the clubs are shut, so I didn't go clubbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Picked a great time to go to Ibiza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Flew to Ibiza, didn't go clubbing, and then just got, had to quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> what, so, what, so what did you do out there? Uh, nothing, just sat in the hotel. The coronavirus cha- challenge. <laughs> I just went out there to do the coronavirus challenge. <laughs> Hello, lovely private partners. It's your boy, Jamie and Francis here. We have a very exciting guest on the podcast today. We have the lovely Catherine Ryan on the podcast. Now, Catherine is super busy at the moment. She's doing Netflix shows. She is a w- world famous comedian. She's world famous. Canadian origin. Canadian origin. And and very romantically married her high school su- sweetheart right after Bobby. years of... Bobby. Bobby, who, are, who I've met and I just After think After breaking up with him at 16. Why are you telling everyone before they even listen to the episode? I was just giving them a warm-up. <laughs> warming them up. Some of the gems in this episode. Would I give them another gem? Go on, give them another gem. Um, that sometimes, you know, you can be a bad person, but a good mother. 
It's another gem for the podcast. Get yeah. ready for it. Um, listen, we had a lovely chat with her. As I said, she's super busy, so we cannot thank her more that she came on the podcast. Um, also, as always, you lovely people, if you want to get in touch with us, um, we love to read out your stories, your comments, your questions, and our bonus episodes on Wednesday. Please DM us at Private Podcast or uh, send us an email, contact at privatepartspodcast.com. But Francis, let's intro the episode with Catherine Ryan. You can't say, let's intro the episode with Catherine Ryan. If I'm going to intro it, you just got to say, okay, Francis, take it away. Okay, Francis, take it away. Now we have on the podcast a true giant of the international comedy scene, Canadian mother. Canadian mother? Canadian mother and <laughs> yeah. amazing comedian who's Netflix if, famous. If this was Catherine my, Ryan! If, if, <laughs> This is my intro. It'd be the shittest intro I've yeah, ever Yeah, but you ruined it by okay, your... Okay, we'll you. just say it normally. Go. Ladies and gentlemen, Catherine Ryan. So, Catherine, so how do you, how do you determine a, a millennial? What does determine a millennial? Um, if you're born between 1982 and 1996, I think it is, then you're just a millennial. They have like a generational definition for millennial, and it's. I thought you'd be gener. Wouldn't you be Generation Z? No. How old do you think no? I am, Francis? How brave do you <laughs> feel today? 20, 22, 22. <laughs> no, I'm thirty-seven, and I like being thirty-seven. Oh well, well, I I uh, couldn't have guessed. Well, you know why? Because you're trained to think that thirty-seven-year-old women are like to be discarded, but we're actually cool. So, oh no! I know loads of thirty-seven-year-old women who are great. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know loads of thirty-seven-year-old women. If, in fact, the, you know they constitute the majority of my friends. <laughs> but but I think, Catherine, I'm with you. I I don't actually. I thought above anyone else, I would mind getting old. But I actually don't mind getting old. Not that we're getting old, but I just I when we we're younger, when we were like sixteen, seventeen. Yeah. I thought that like 27, 28, 29, 30 was much older. But in fact, it's not. Hey, we're in our thirties, and I think we're in our prime right now. That's what I'm feeling. Anyway. Yeah. I really do love it because it's a time of like mental health and autonomy. I just feel relaxed. When I was 21, oh, oh, I mean, I was making all kinds of bad choices and running around town really vulnerable with skin-colored hair and hair-colored skin. Was that in Canada? <laughs> I moved here when I was 22, I think. Maybe I was 23. Ah. Wait, hang on, hang on a second. You're so, so I, this is, the, I haven't got, I've got weight. So as I grew up, when I was younger, right, I was a little bit insecure. I was a little bit like nervous about things, things yeah. like that. And I thought that disappeared as I got to like the age of like 30, but mine only went higher for some reason. So now I'm even more insecure about things and stuff like that. But you're saying you got more secure, but I did, that didn't happen to me. Well, so, maybe because you got reality famous and that is, you know, you're going to have anxiety. But you're way more famous. No, so, I'm like substantial famous. Like I have a, a trade and a skill. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say <laughs> that I don't have a skill? That... No, I'm doing the regular Jamie Lang teasing. No, I just think like it's a different type of thing. There's only a certain kind of person who really watches comedy. And some of them are weird. But I think when you do something as big as Made in Chelsea, you're opened up to such a... Uh, mainstream audience and there's great danger in that like when you become someone the paps are interested in then you know i would find that very 
well, I think it, I, I think it, it depends on the um, country because mm. you know in, in in Canada and America they have a very different attitude towards reality TV shows than they do in the UK. I think the the there's a sort of inherent hatred, snobby <laughs> hatred. disregard of, of of people who, but you know, the perception that you know it's a shortcut and they you know they don't have any other talents, so they have to go on reality tv i think yeah. is pervasive more in england than than in america they celebrate it really ra- r- r- um. no they don't that's the yeah, biggest they do. yes they do the reality tv stars in america are the most famous people in america well the kardashians but you are very well known and the kardashians get a lot of criticism as well it's the nature of it but yeah. i agree with you know kim kardashian says uh, you know, I my talent is I don't even have to have a talent to be compelling. And I find that show to be incredibly compelling. And it's very easy to say, oh, Kim doesn't do anything. All those women work 80 hour yeah. weeks and they've got businesses and she's into video games and she's a. But it makes people feel better to say, oh, well, they're just, you know, yeah. a reality TV star. But there's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes with the Kardashians, I'm sure, yeah. or anyone else. You know. I think with you guys, too, this country has a weird thing about posh people. Like, we don't have class in Canada. And I mean that quite literally, but we don't have a division of class. We would never mm-hmm. call a group of people working class or middle class. Or we, we just wouldn't... Uh, yeah. We're not what old exactly? enough to have that antiquated. So I don't know. People love to sneer. Class is more related to money, right? In 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 Canada and 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 America, rather than rather than some uh, sort of family lineage, right? It's it's more it's it's more it's more <laughs> it's more monetary based. Yeah, we have rich and poor, but we don't have old money, yeah. new money. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love how this podcast has started off. That's insane. So far, we've covered more topics than we've ever done in this podcast ever. Um, but <gasps> well, we yeah, know that. Can, can I just true. say, yeah, well, it's true. We have we we don't cover that much. Normally. We haven't we haven't spoken about your anal fissure, for example. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. <laughs> I know we, we spoke about this once. I once got an anal fissure, but that is a different story. And I spoke to your friend, who you know, Reese James. Yeah. And Reese James also had one, and it's one of the most painful things you can ever have. But it's, how do you get those things? You, you, you get it from, um, you get it from, I think. Abusing t- yourself. No, not abusing yourself in any way whatsoever. You get it from, you get it from when you go to the bathroom and, and it, it's, it's, it's too large. I think well, that's is, one way. <laughs> I think there's lots of ways to get it. I think there's lots of ways. But you went up in the butt plug size too fast. <laughs> I've never used a butt plug. I just, I wouldn't, I'm too scared of them. Um, Catherine, can I just get, here's another question for you. So you're saying, I think it's easier to be a reality star because we don't have to have a talent, as you said. So we don't have to kind of perform in any way whatsoever. But for a comedian it's kind of tricky because you do have a talent, therefore you almost do have to perform. And even harder so, you always see you always have to be funny. So if you're put on a show or something like that, or a panel, whatever it is, they expect you to be funny. So actually that's far more hard. You have way more pressure than someone like we do. Do you not think? No, I mean, I am kidding. I appreciate, as a fan of reality TV, I watch loads of the Housewives franchise and all these real estate franchises, Kardashians, The Hills, Laguna Beach. I watched Made in Chelsea, all of them. Um, That being compelling and especially relentlessly compelling on camera is a skill. And I think comedians and reality stars both have to just trust 
that their authentic voice will come through enough and connect mm. with an audience. I think there's great similarity in that because a comedian can write jokes and develop only as a joke writer. They might not have that stage presence that connects enough to make a career out of it. And that's true of many comedians. They become writers or they become producers or, you know, what have you. There are lots of different jobs in the comedy industry. And actually, I think that one of the things about having done reality TV and also done a bit of um, stand up comedy no no I've done a, I, but, hey i've done a little I mean, bit of stand-up as well so yeah you, you did you did you did you, you did your first gig at the comedy store yeah i did did my first gig at the comedy store did my second gig at the comedy store didn't go as well as the first gig were <laughs> these gigs fine. like the gong show no they were not I, no you, you went think, straight Kevin, on he was headlining <laughs> so Kevin, do you think i would go to the gong show so the gong show for all our listeners is where you basically go on as a comedian and you have to survive before you get gonged off isn't that right yeah it's like i did not do the gong show i did a charity show so the first one i did was tom lucy asked me to do it as a dare mm. and it definitely felt like a dare i thought you no. asked tom lucy to do it no didn't happen yeah. that way didn't happen the way Tom Lucy uh, you asked Tom Lucy if you could and he was like well I don't know maybe you should do like a, you know a few gigs just practicing <laughs> how I remember you, how you I remember insisted. is Tom Lucy begged me to do it he said god you're funny you should probably get up on stage and do it <laughs> so that was my first gig and that went right the second gig I ever did was when uh, I did it again and I honestly thought I was a comedian because I think what happens is you go into your first gig and it goes well yeah or it can go badly but for me it went around and I went Pfft. What was all the fuss about? This is easy because it was a really charming crowd. Mm. Then you do it again and you realize, holy shit, it's bad. If you're, if they turn on you, oh, yes. Yeah. It really does force you um, being on camera that long. You know, it forces you to almost find your voice, mm. like who who you are, what what is your shtick, like what you, you know, what is it that you're trying to, um, uh, you know, what you know, what character are you trying to present, I suppose, and. Uh, you know, and, and, and the same, I think, goes with uh, with comedy. You have to find that uh, that authentic voice. And I guess you, you spend hours uh, uh, stage time just being able to, like, sp sp basically be yourself, right? Without feeling like people are watching you. Yeah, and like you, Jamie, I did well the first time I tried stand-up, and then I started to do very poorly for quite a long time. And I felt like that was definitely part of it, because the more that you die, as we call it, when nobody mm. likes you, then that's when you learn. And it's it's completely a rite of passage, just totally part of it. And I was doing other people's voices when I started comedy. I was really influenced by Joan Rivers and Sarah Silverman. I think I saw a lot of misogyny in the open mics that I was attending back in Canada in the early 2000s. And so I did comedy like I was a stupid slut. You know, I was like, oh, my gosh, it was very self-deprecating. The joke was always on me. And it took me a long time to develop and actually have the confidence that it took to be authentic. And I'm really glad I didn't do TV because I had the benefit of anonymity where I made mistakes and was horrible for many years before anyone ever saw me. Yeah, but Catherine, do you know what's so interesting about that mm. is that you you felt like you had to act like the slut mm. to, to be accepted. Yeah. Isn't that crazy that, in fact, you didn't have the confidence that you had the confidence to act something else because you knew that's what the crowd wanted? Mm -hmm. That's, like, terrible that you would, you have to kind of go through that. Not go through that, but have to act that way in order to be accepted, right? And then... But that's, it, you know, because I think... But I guess that's a part of finding your voice, right? Seeing th what actually works. Right? Yeah. And, and what I think is great about 
about comedy is is it's like you've got this constant feedback loop right the audience so you're mm. constantly able to refine uh, your product as it were and 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 who you are or who you want to be actually gets shot down in favor of what the audience really wants you to be so y so it's kind of like it, it's it's self-selecting in, in a way the, the 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 voice of a comedian I I, I still don't understand how you make that leap to say I want to be a comedian because Catherine, when you were in, you were in Canada, you went to Toronto University, and then you were working at Hooters, yeah. and then you were like, right, I'm gonna go and be a comedian. But there's Here a great comedy culture in 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 Canada. Actually, one of my favorite comedians is Canadian. Well, yeah, but whoever that is got famous in America, not Canada. Well, yeah, he did, he did. Yeah, it's sad, actually. Canada, for some reason, we have wonderful things like the Just for Laughs Festival, and in the metropolis, there will be comedy clubs, but there's all this space in between that's really tough to gig in. Did you ever do Yuck Yucks? I did. Is that, were you one of their circuit comedians? I wasn't good enough to be a circuit comedian when I lived in Canada. I was really just open micing. Um, mm. I didn't want to be a comedian. I mean, I wanted to be um, a soft pretty girl with a nice life and I started I only worked at Hooters because I got tired of walking because I was in university I had a job at another restaurant but I was from, I was from a small town so I got lost in Toronto and I was tired of walking in the sun and I saw Hooters was there and I said well if I worked at Hooters I'd be at work by now so then I went in and got a job <laughs> no there instead way. yeah that's not the reason it is <laughs> Can't be. The reason you worked at Hooters, I thought, shit, I'd be, I sh would be at work right now if I was working there. So I'm gonna I'd be early for work. If I was... I'd be early for work, so I'm going to work at Hooters. If I worked at home. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely walked in and I was like, excuse me, I'm lost. I can't find the restaurant that I work at. Can I work here instead? And the guy was like, yeah. And then it was fortuitous because the Yuck Yucks was right next to the Hooters. Ah. And some of the, some of my sense of humor was not always appreciated. And I thought, well, if I did comedy just for fun, just the same you would do any hobby, you know? Like, I'm sure you go sailing, but you might not want to be in a professional regatta. It was like that. I just thought it was fun. Mm. Even when I moved to the UK, I had an office job and I was just doing stand-up for fun. Wait, so, so, so you, you went from working at Hooters to doing stand-up to then moving to the UK to then working an office job while doing stand-up on the side. Yeah. And then what was your office job that you had in the UK? Were you doing any sailing as well? <laughs> My dad sails. He's from Ireland. Yeah. Um, I'm bad at sailing. I'm invited on the boat sometimes, but I'm not allowed to touch anything <laughs> ever since that incident with the deckhand. Oh. Um, but I, <laughs> I worked in like a business-to-business -business sales job in Holborn in London. See, but ah. it still stills my point is that when do you get to that moment where you go, fuck it, I'm just going to go and do stand-up as mm. become a professional stand-up comedian? Cause I guess it's a gradual thing, right? You, 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 you kind yeah, of do it on the side until I get that then it's, you feel... I get that it's on the side and things like that, and I understand that, but I think that taking that leap and taking that risk into something that, you know, is unknown, and especially is that, like... Um, especially it, it, now it's risky as well. You know, a lot, uh, you know yeah. I guess a lot of comedians are suddenly like, well, what, you know... Is is there really going to be, uh, you know, a circuit when, you know, the, all this is over? I guess a lot of the comedians who maybe haven't already achieved fame on on uh, TV, it's, it's, you know, I guess they have to go back to normal jobs for a while. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, a lot of comedians on the circuit are really struggling right now. And I know there's some charity things coming up and some ways that we're trying to ameliorate that, but it's very hard for them. That, and the government doesn't regard comedy as an art, I don't think, or as a legitimate source of employment. So yeah, those people are trying to get regular jobs. Yeah, which is which is actually bad for society. I think we need comedians. <laughs> yeah, it's bad for society that those people be anywhere near the general public. <laughs> <laughs> but Catherine, we also need to big you up a little bit because, you know, you, you had your daughter and you were also doing the circuit mm. and things like that. So what, you, you brought her on stage? How would that even work at the time yeah well I was 25 when I had my daughter and then I just discovered that if I was going to go back to work after maternity leave that daycare costs more than what I was earning in my central London office job and I thought oh no well that's uh, a systemic problem and then I thought (laughs) that ain't gonna work for me yeah and then I knew I didn't want to be with her dad anymore and I also could tell very early on that if anyone was going to provide anything for her it would be me and then I just figured well if I do stand up then I can be with my baby all day and then I can work at night and that just seemed like it would be easier I was very I had this gift of um naivety really where I was like I could do that oh yeah I'll do that I'll do this it's sort of like walking into Hooters and going excuse me if I worked in here I'd be at work by now I was just an idiot and I had the the privilege of being very young and being very mentally well. I was far away from my family and I was quite poor, but I sort of knew that we would be okay somehow. Well, that's what they say, like, isn't it? That, that you know, success often comes from not knowing what you can't do. Right? Yes, totally. This is the thing. So naivety is like everything, like not knowing what the hell you're doing. Because if you knew what you were doing, you would then like copy what everyone else is doing because that's the way to do it. But actually, or if you if you knew how difficult it w- was going to be, you might not have have tried, and, and therefore you might not have realized that you could have done it. To have the baby, but, you are right. But <laughs> hello, I auditioned for a you know Sean Paul, Shauna Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean yeah. Paul Diddy Cook. I. Wait, uh, audition for a Sean Paul video as like a backup dancer. That is how naive I was. I was like, I could do that. 
no. Yeah. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, let's get this right. So you you auditioned for for a for being a backing dancer. Uh, could you dance? No. You you couldn't dance, but you thought, okay, look, I got accepted to Hooters, so therefore this is one hundred percent going to happen. I'm going to be picked up, and they're going to make me. Gonna, did they accept you? No ways. Well, listen. Jamie, it's 100% not going to happen if you don't show up to the audition. So I would always show up. That's my advice to everyone. Show up. My flatmate and I went to the Shanapal audition, and we just really disappointed a hotel conference room of black men. They were like... <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I was going to say. You know, not, you know sure, but I expect you know, a, a, a Canadian white woman turning up to yeah. thing would have been a bit like... Okay, can you dance? And you'd be like, no. And they would have said, okay, what can you do? And be like, I don't know. I can serve you some yeah. ribs. What, dance, what <laughs> yeah. dance did you end up doing? This is last week, by the way. No, we, I oh. didn't dance. They didn't ask me to dance. I didn't get that far. Um, we just walked in and they were very polite. They were like, oh, hi, girls. Um, okay. Um, I think they just asked us, General, how are you today? What, okay, thank you. Goodbye. Like we, They just looked at us and they did not ask us to dance. Thank God, because can you imagine if there had been a boombox on the table and they'd started playing some like early Rihanna or something and we'd had to, because no one, it's sort of like a comedy gig. You do need an audience to do well. You can't do comedy mm-hmm. at three people. Similarly, I don't think we could have danced at three people in a hotel conference room. So luckily we didn't make it that far. No, they just were very nice to us. Bye girls. Have a great day, girls. I, 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 I've been to, I did two, two auditions. Once I auditioned to Abercrombie and Fitch. I told this story before ages ago, but I went to Abercrombie and Fitch asked me to come in and audition for them. I thought I was going to be the good looking guy, you know, with the body where you stand on the door and then all, everyone walks and goes, oh my God, you're so hot. I thought I was going to be that. And then I saw like who the guys were on the door and they had like these abs and I was like, okay, I'm probably not going to be that, but I'm probably going to be the ones behind them. So I'm going to be the guys that you see the ab people, then you're going to walk and they'd be like, oh my God, he's so hot too. I wasn't even that guy. <laughs> I got I got put into the stock room where I had to stack the shelves and I wasn't even allowed to use the main stairs. I had to use the lift. Oh, I wasn't no. allowed on the shop floor. Yeah, that happened to me. And then the other time, my, when I first got, when I first started doing Bailey and Chelsea, um, my agency said, "You should, oh, we, we got you a modeling gig. I was like, what? I'm not a model. I don't understand. And they sent me to a modeling gig. Mm. And it was to be Florence of the Machine's love interest in her new music video. And they were literally like, you're not going to be this because you're five foot eight and Florence of the Machine is six foot one or something like that. Said so you're too small to even be here. Aww. And it was the worst. No, it wasn't even I. I was just like, what the hell am I doing here? Auditions like that are the worst thing you can go into because as soon as you walk into a room, every single person is looking at you and you go, what the hell am I doing here? It's the worst. Also, you're in, in, in that sense, you're, you're implicitly saying that you should be the guy on the, <laughs> on the front door of, of no, Abercrombie Station, that you should be thought. Florence the machines love interest. Yeah, but, That's what... but I so, had so... Catherine's, Catherine's sort of mind where I was yeah. like, well, obviously they're going to pick me. Are you yeah. kidding me? Obviously I'm going to be that guy on the door. Why wouldn't I be? And then I was really... Right, my emotions went from here to here. So the juxtaposition between what I thought was going to happen. Whoa, it was a blow. But again, so wait, what additions have you had to do? Where Have you had to turn up into a room and be like, okay, here we go. Here's my script. Let's go. Yes. Things like that? Auditions are really soul-destroying. I do think they're character-building, though. The worst thing is to sit as the decision maker in an audition. And most recently I had to do that. And that with what uh, I'm doing a Netflix series that comes out in September. 
but I had to audition oh. everyone uh, with a room. Sorry, Jamie, you didn't get the memo. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get the cool up. <laughs> we d- there are no love interests, Jamie. So, <laughs> But um, it was awful because everyone who came in was so talented. And it is not even a question of you are better than you. It's just fitting a very specific brief. It's so difficult to that say no. That is so much bullshit. There's no way that everyone came and you were like, God, you're so good. I wish I could take you. <laughs> you didn't do that, did you? Yeah. You, some, you, you, were, so you were like the nice one throughout the entire thing? Well, I really thought they only brought me great people. And I did like certain people that weren't chosen for whatever reason because someone more important than me was like, no, this won't work for this reason with this person. Or then you have to think about who looks like they could be someone's mother and who look, you know, it, it is so silly, a lot mm-hmm. of it. So you shouldn't take it personally, but certainly when I was young, no uh, horrible audition stories stand out. But having been on both sides now, I understand full circle what an audition process is like. And, I, and now I would definitely rather be rejected than reject someone. But often, I guess, the, the, the difficult thing about auditions is is that it's it's a totally silent rejection just because you <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, hear yeah. from them. It's like, <laughs> it's it's like it, it'd, be, it'd be nice if they like, said, yeah, look, look, you're not right for the, the part. But but they don't have time to like tell everyone who auditioned that they're not right. So they just have to like not get back in touch. No, I think that's even worse. No, what they should, they, they should do, see, they don't even get back. Because if you don't hear anything, you're like, oh, shit, okay, obviously. And you can kind of make up a decision yeah. in your own head. But if, they, if you walk into the room and they go, ah, you're not right for us. You'll go ahead, well, why? <laughs> why am I not right for you? And then that's even worse for you. It's like I had a girlfriend once when I was really young who, who a girl that I really fancied and I kissed and she called me a mistake and she never, she never told me why I was a mistake. She just said I was a mistake. Is this your mum? <laughs> <laughs> so you need to have context in these things. Have you ever, have you ever, this is a personal question. Have you ever been broken up with or have you done the breaking up before? I do a lot of the breaking up. Uh, the only person who ever do broke you? up with me. Yeah. What? what you don't believe me? <laughs> no, I just said, oh, that's because that's tough. I feel like, do you revel in the fact that you've, you've broken up with you? I, I, I can't, can you, you quite good at breaking up with someone. No, quite the opposite. So for many years I dated losers and scoundrels and then I would keep them around to prove that I could fix it. I had a real rescue syndrome. So the worse their behavior got, I thought, okay, well, I'm really gonna try hard this month and I'm gonna fix it and I'm gonna fix it. No matter how many sex workers, I'm gonna fix it. And then (laughs) you get your friends and family really doing interventions and worrying about you. And that just made me dig my heels in harder. I was like, no, I can fix it. And um, finally I would break up with people, but they don't always leave. You know, they <laughs> do they not no, they stick it's, around. It's really difficult to break up with people, and the only person who's ever broken up with me is my husband. He broke up with me mm. when we were sixteen, and then we just got back together twenty years later, and now we're married. So, oh. well, you, you did you guys just got married, or if yeah. you just got married, we got married in September. Hey, Bobby, is it Bobby? Yeah, Bobby, he's my boy. Okay, Francis. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever met Bobby, he basically, I've met him a few times, he, he basically stands backstage and watches Catherine on stage and he's really good looking and really charming and he just sits and chats to you. And when I met Bobby, I met him. <laughs> we were doing um, the, the Rob Rinder show and Bobby was backstage and he just sort of stands there and he came up to me and started talking to me. And I was like, Bobby's too good looking to be like someone who does like backstage stuff 
but then he's also can't be an agent. So I was like, Bobby, who the hell are you? I, just work out. <laughs> I got my own personal Abercrombie standout front guy. Wait, so you did the you did the full cyclical. So he broke up with you when you were 16. And then he 20 years later, you got back together. Yes, I banged him for a joke when I was in Canada because I saw him in a pub. Uh-huh. And then I thought, oh, our friends, our mutual friends would really love the beautiful story of us banging for our 20 year anniversary of breaking up. And so we did. And I I thought you meant like a joke you could use on stage. (laughs) Well, I got loads of jokes about him now. This is for material, by the way, Bobby. Mm, Everything is. And then he was just really sweet. I just really liked him after that. So, I mean, it was a one night stand that backfired terribly so romantic wait, so, so hang on so wait was was bobby one of the people who who stuck around and you were like oh, okay fine let's just see what happens or were you like bobby i feel like you should stick around he didn't well we lived in different countries so i was only home filming something short term for the bbc and then we kept chatting he came to visit me a couple times and then he just moved here and we got married so it was very my advice to people who are dating, I suppose, first of all, you don't have to ever get married. I wouldn't have had it not been an international legal situation. But I tried so hard to make certain things work. And this just was so easy. There was no reason not to marry Bobby. It just was easy. We've still never had a row. And everything just moved in the direction of us getting married. And so we did. They say that's when it's actually really meant to be is when it's just easy. Yeah. Right? And it all makes sense. You won't believe me if you're listening and you're in a bad relationship, but it really is true. I wish that I could have believed that when I was 22 and trying so hard to salvage scraps, you know, like if to compromise, it's got to be easy. I just I just love Bobby because <laughs> I honestly, I'm not just saying because yeah, I just do as well. Because Bobby also, Francis, is like the most relaxed guy you'll, you'll meet. Yeah, he He's so relaxed. He's literally just like, he's had like eight beers and he's just chilling. Like, honestly, that's what he's like. And I went to Bobby, I was like, hey, Bobby, what are you doing? He went, just sit on the sofa a bit at the moment. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He goes, I don't really have a job. I can't work here. Yeah. So I'm just sitting I was like, Bobby, you legend. <laughs> he's good. But that's what a lot of Canadians are like, just so super relaxed and zen. It's true. I've, I've got a lot of Canadians. Friends that. in London who are all very <laughs> chilled out. Yeah. Well, you have a lot of thirty-seven-year-old women friends. A lot of no, Canadian no. I've got friends. a lot of some of my some of my best friends are Canadian. Are all your friends me, Francis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, right, uh, Francis. We got to that moment. We need to have the question of the week. What is a cross between a bison and a cow called? Hmm. <laughs> okay. Catherine, you're, I guess, you have to answer first. <sighs> that huff. That huff. <laughs> I just have follow-up questions. Go on. Like, do you mean a genetic cross like a liger? Or a mule. There you go. There's one for you. Is a mule a cross? A mule's a cross. It's a donkey and a horse, isn't it? Isn't that a mule? No, you're thinking of an ass. <laughs> I'm not thinking of an ass. An ass is a donkey. You're always thinking of asses. <laughs> I don't know if you would call it like a cowson, I suppose. Like not a bow. A it's not going to be a bow because that's already a Korean brand. You're going to go for a cowson? You think you're going to go for a cowson? Yeah. Okay. Lock in your answer. It's a cowson. Okay. And, and Jamie, what's yours? I have no idea. A, a, a bison and a cow? It's going to be called a... Um, a yeah, yeah. A, 
a Calson. I'm going to go for a Calson as well. Yeah. So I'm going to go for a Calson. You can't add the same. Okay, That's what she, you right, come I'll up go with for something new... else. I'll go for, it's going to be a Bismu. A, a Bismu. Mm. Yeah. A Bismu. A Bismu. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you're, you're very excitable today, Jamie. Are you, are you excited to be uh, talking to... I guess you've been in quarantine. I'm in quarantine at the moment. We're going to talk about this in part two. I'll tell you why I'm excited in a second. Catherine, you have to stop there because we uh, have to come back in part two, but you can't go anywhere, so we'll be back in part two, all right? Okay. See you in part two. See you in part two. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.